This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hi, this is Women Who Travel, a new podcast from Connie Nast Traveler that digs deep into the realities of traveling as a woman today and celebrates why we're never staying home. I'm Meredith Carey, and this is my co-host, Lale Ericoglu. Hi. For our second episode, we're joined by the photographer, Michaela Norok, whose book, Atlas of Beauty, is on shelves now, and regular traveler contributors, Nina Han and Barbara Peterson. This week, we're talking about something that stereotypically women haven't wanted to talk about, which is age. We're really going to focus on how travel changes as we age, how the beauty of travel changes as we age, and how our priorities of where we want to go and what we want to do kind of changes as we get more life experience and mature. So the first question I have is, what is everyone's first travel memory? Like, what is your first trip when you think back of, like, what really, like, defines your first travel experience? How far back do you want to go? Because as far I, back as you can uh, think. So it's sort of like I, I, you know, how some people say, well, they learned to do X, Y, Z when they first learned how to walk. Well, that's kind of the way it was for me. My father traveled a lot on business. And so I remember flying with him on, on a trip. It was just a domestic trip uh, down to Washington, but it was very exciting because, you know, air travel... Um, it wasn't something people did the way they did now. Very few people traveled. I mean, this, you know, so we're talking about the, the you know, mid-60s here. So that's, and it was so exciting. I remember, even though I was a really small child, I, I you know, remember holding his hand and walking up the air stairs. And, you know, I think it may have been TWA, you know. So most of my early memories on our, are on airlines that don't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I was totally hooked. I have to say, I was so into, and flying was exciting and glamorous, and, you know, I flew Pan Am to Europe, and, you know, not first class, but it was all very nice. It was all, everybody dressed up, and it was an adventure, and, you know, what what can I say? I mean, it's a little different these days. <laughs> How about you, Nina? Well, my mom was, uh, she is still a travel agent. And she was really into, um, like, the mainstream Disney-type experiences. So we did go to Disney a lot. But when I thought about this question, the place that came to mind for me wasn't a cruise or Disney World with my mom and my family. But being up at my uncle's Michigan lake house and swimming off of the dock and feeling around in the sand for clams with my toes. And that was, like, for me, I think 
when I look back and think about the kinds of travel experiences that I'm drawn to today, it's that kind of stuff. I, I grew up in a family, I have five brothers and sisters, and I remember being in the sand there feeling around with my toes by myself. <laughs> so maybe it was <laughs> part of me escaping them and having, I don't know, a respite in nature. So that really stuck out for me. I feel like for me, I have kind of a similar, like very Southern version of that, which is that my, you know, I, I moved a lot when I was little. Um, and so technically, I think my first travel experiences are things that I can't remember that my parents tell stories about. And they're like, oh, isn't that so cute that you did that when you were like two? And I have no memory of that. But my first like real memory is going to the beach in Florida with my parents and my brother um, to St. George Island, which is kind of like in the panhandle. And it's kind of the same thing, which was like picking up all the seashells and like getting to, you know, go to the beach and swim and kind of experience that for the first time. And that has been like, you know, the ocean has been something that's been really important to me in my life. And so I think that that has been like my like guiding um, vacation also was was kind of the beach and being with my family and having it all be very new and exciting. Well, and I think, um, you know, talking about being with your family and obviously everyone's earliest travel memories for the most part are going to be things you experienced with your parents and I think the way that my parents especially my mother travels has really shaped how I approach the world and my earliest memories of being abroad are in Istanbul where my dad's family is and also in Adana where some of his family is in Turkey and I have a very crystal clear memory of eating corn on the cob like off a grill and thinking it was and it being like scorching hot and just thinking it was like the best th thing I'd ever experienced <laughs> I mean I, they have corn in London like, I don't know why it was so amazing um and sort of traipsing around flea markets with my mum and sort of doing all this stuff that at the time I thought was incredibly dull but is all the stuff that I love to do now and she definitely She'll be so smug to hear this, but she really did like shape me as a traveler <laughs> um, and the way I see the world. Um, but Michaela, um, you know, you've, you're traveling all the time. Yeah, I am traveling all the time, but my first memories as all the women here told about uh, childhood experiences. For me also, it was a childhood experience traveling because um, I first uh, first time in my life when I crossed the border was six years old from uh, ex-Soviet Union country Moldova to Romania and I kept doing that until I was 13 years old at least four times per year crossing the border between uh, Moldova and Romania uh, today I'm crossing the border maybe sometimes uh, two times per week or once per month or I'm just crossing borders, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Were you visiting family that was in Moldova or were yeah. you just, okay? I was visiting family, yeah. I was staying in Romania and going back to visit my grandparents, yeah. My, uh, our like exchange student that lived with us when I was in college, when my brother was in high school, was actually from Moldova. Ah, oh, nice. Um, but can you tell us a little bit, so so what I mentioned in the kind of intro was that you have this book, Atlas of Beauty, yeah. um, that we've written about online and have some of your photos on our website that you can check out. Um, but can you kind of explain how you fell into that uh, that's, photography process? That's mostly, it's a, it's a very long story. I think that you don't have all the time. <laughs> I had my ups and downs. I started photography when I was 16 years old, went to University of Arts, gave up photography for seven years because I thought I'm not made for this. I was completely wrong. It's good to be wrong. And I... I <laughs> took my camera again while traveling. So traveling made me more confident in my um, curiosity. 
because you, when you pursue photography, you have to have uh, certain curiosities, and travel made it easier for me to to be fo a photographer again. And I think I was always drawn to portraying women. When I started photography at 16 years old, I was photographing my mother and my sister, although my father was there. But I did chose the feminine side of my family. And I feel much more drawn and much more closer to women. And for me, it's easier to connect with them on the street because usually I approach them on the street. So it's easier to be a woman photographing women. And and how kind of have has your travel experience like from a young age to now kind of decided what you where you photographed kind of what types of people what ages all ah, yeah 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 that's that's that, that's the thing that you that i developed uh, as i matured because I, when i started the project i was 27 years old now i'm 32 and probably at the beginning it was not not something uh, so precise as it is today it was uh, something organic and generally curious and i was aiming just for something that I liked visually, exterior beauty or curiosity, curiosity in geographical descriptions. I mean, uh, today I'm much more focused on social problems, on uh, in um, psychological th um, problems, how you can overcome some uh, uh, issues in your life, how you can put an example out in the world. So this book today really has a roller coaster of feelings and of women from all age or co ages, colors, and all the diversity that you can imagine. Well, and to your point, the more that you travel, the more differently you you see the world. Exactly. Um, and Barbara, I'd love to hear sort of your incredibly well-traveled and you've been a travel journalist for, for a long time now how green were you when you first set out <laughs> into the world <laughs> well again it sort of has to do I think partly with why you travel with the purpose of travel and I think that's what that's what evolves over over the years because um, you know, as I mentioned, I traveled a lot with my parents when I was a kid, and and that was fantastic, and just you know, it was a great introduction. But, but then it became travel as education, and literally, actually, I went to started they started sending me on these summer programs. I didn't really know what to do with me when I became like an adolescent. So I was like, get get her on something organizing. So I spent the summer in France living with a family. I did it, you know, I mean, look, all of this is very kind of prosaic, right? A lot of people did that kind of thing. But it was still, it was a chance to travel, actually the way I wish I could travel, which is that you, you go to some place for three months instead of, you know, three days or three weeks. So, um, and then of course, when I went to college, you know, I spent my junior year in France and then I decided I couldn't go straight back to college. And so I finagled a way where I could take an extra semester. I mean, you know, and, and then after that, you know, then it was, oh, you know, now I have to go out and get a job and I get two weeks a year. And that was <laughs> so that, so naturally I ended up as, as a, as a travel journalist, thank, thank goodness. But um, I, I guess an answer to your question, um, yeah, it's, I still feel like there, I, there was a lot to learn once I got out of the protective cocoon of being a student and having adults whose job it was to protect you. I mean, they didn't always succeed. <laughs> um, I mean, one of my, I mean, if I can digress a little bit, one of my favorite uh, trips was um, I went to Moscow, and this was still back in the, in the days of, you know, the USSR and 
uh, we were supposed to be on a very tightly controlled, you know, even more than usual. But somehow I broke loose because um, I just wanted to walk around and experience the city as, as somebody who wasn't under, you know, somebody's watch. And I certainly did. I, I met a lot of people. I got invited to people's homes. I got in, apparently in some trouble. But um, and <laughs> and but it's yeah. It's so in that sense, maybe I yeah. There's a certain part where you're naive and you're in a foreign place where it can be, you know, I, I look back and I think that at times I, I came very close to having some, some bad things happen. You know, um, I was mugged actually in the middle of the night in, in Paris of all places, which is not where you expect to have that happen. So, but you know, I, I learned, I guess. <laughs> right. And Nina, what, how do you feel like your like planning stages or priorities have changed as you've grown? I think Barbara hit the nail on the head with a like, why do you travel? Because I look back and I think, of course, in my early 20s, everything was very spontaneous and so much about like having fun. Didn't matter how we got there. We would take a train or a car with no radio or air conditioning or however. And it was way more about who you were going with and having a great time. And then in my late 20s and 30s, with the arrival of weddings and babies, things changed because that was sort of my first taste of travel strategy. Where before, you know, you would just drop everything and say, let's go this weekend or let's do this or that. It was, it was sort of paralyzing at first because it required more thought. Um, and maybe you only had, I had, I'm very fortunate to have um, parents and in-laws that were ready to help babysit, but you could still only leave your children for a weekend because it just didn't feel right. So it was being strategic about where exactly we could go and when can we do it? It also was like the first time that I was traveling alone for work. Um, first time planning trips around my little people. So it was very, it was, that was much more of um, harder to make travel work in my life. We did it for sure, but it was a little more difficult. I think now is the most fun I'm having with it. Um, my kids are older, they're 10 and 13, and I love traveling with them. But I've also like embraced traveling alone. I think that is such an, a great way to get balance and to get res, restorative, I don't know, radical self-care. <laughs> um, so I, I find myself, and going back to like that trip I was sharing in the beginning about my earliest memory, being out in the lake at, on the lake in Michigan, it's way more now about me going to those remote, wild, kind of faraway places, because that's where I feel like I can quiet the noise of email and texting and social media and all these things are so much a part of our lives and our work. Um, I also think I'm way more daring now than I used to be. I guess you would, some people might think like in their twenties, you're taking more risks, but I think I'm doing more of that now. I don't really know why I can't explain why, but like I'm learning how to surf in Tofino of all places. Like why wouldn't I learn somewhere tropical? Let's go somewhere where the water is freezing or swimming with sharks in the Galapagos or, that I went, if any of you guys have done the devil's pool at the edge of Victoria Falls. So all of these things I've done in my forties, which has been great. Yeah, I would, I would say I've got a lot more adventurous. Um, I'm about to turn 30 and I would say the difference between, I mean, obviously everyone changes dramatically throughout their twenties, but I, my like approach to going to places is so different and I'm like so much more willing to try stuff. I think back to, a backpacking trip that I did with some friends when we were just turned 20 and it was amazing like I wouldn't change any of the trip 
but we were so nervous about everything mm-hmm. and 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 the one sort of really dicey run-in we had at a hostel was like sort of at somewhere that you would have thought would have been like super safe and there were so many risks we didn't take and places we didn't see and yeah, I need to like go back and do that trip all over again. I was actually talking to my mom about this. At, I don't remember how it came up at dinner a couple nights ago, but you know, I was saying. So I'm, I'm turning 25 in like two weeks, um, and I was saying like, oh, there was this trip I took when I was 21. Um, I, I went on this really crazy um, study abroad experience called Semester at Sea, and the first stop we did was in St. Petersburg, and we were there for three days. And I like did every like I signed up for every planned trip, and I like didn't. I went to one like place on my own and I like am now I feel I I don't feel like I wasted that trip but I feel like if I could go back and be like no like don't do any of the planned trips like go meet people go talk to people go just walk around like you are like a confident like smart person like it's gonna be okay you should totally just do it and that was you know four years ago and I already feel like you know I wish I could like go and change and and an update like that version and that trip of, for myself. Yeah. This is like going back to what Barbara said though, again, about like figuring out why we travel. I think as we're growing and aging, we're zeroing in more on why we travel and what works for us. And Lale, I'm thinking about what you said about your mom being a little smug that she helped influence <laughs> that. Like my mother being a travel agent and she was such a daring sort of ballsy woman. Like that totally, I, I see myself becoming more of her as I travel and feeling more brave and confident about the experiences and adventures that I'm taking on. And Michaela, how many countries do you think you've been to? Um, probably around 50 something, 60. But uh, what you were saying earlier about uh, travel experiences as you get older, of course you get more confident and you know that the world is much more smaller than you imagine when you stay at home. And a lot of people are asking me, aren't you afraid to do the project? Aren't you afraid of people? And actually the people are afraid of me because I'm a foreigner, I'm a stranger approaching them on the street and they get scared of me sometimes. And this is our mindset usually, we are scared of something that we don't know. And the more you travel, the more you get more uh, wise about things. So just uh, grab the experience. So you would say you're becoming that you're probably more open to taking more risks and... Definitely, yep. Do you feel like your camera helps you approach, like, Absolutely. helps you approach people yeah. and say, like, this is the reason why I'm coming to you, yeah. and then your conversation develops from there? You know, today I, I don't, when I travel, I don't visit anything. Mm-hmm. I just work on my project because it's much more interesting mm-hmm. for me as a human being, and it develops me much more, and the level of connection I get with the people that I photograph is much more intense than visiting a place. I think we, so when Alali and I were kind of talking about what we wanted to talk about um, on this episode, the like last minute thing we were talking about was business travel, um, like and how that changes as you age. And I think we both feel like the way we travel now after having started this job has totally changed the way we plan trips and what we prioritize, which for you when you're working as a photographer, is people and it's not places and for me it's like I want a similar thing which is I want to like make new friends when I'm on the road what would you guys say is now now that since everyone here works in some sort of travel capacity or travels for work a lot what would you say is now your priority when you're on the road for work 
oh god it's food 100 <laughs> percent food and you know like eating at a fantastic restaurant or stand or you know picking stuff up in a market or something and trying is such an amazing gateway into experiencing the rest of a place or a city you know food is such a social thing um i think it gives people permission to talk and interact and it's a very easy way you know we talked about this on last week's episode about um traveling alone and you know talk to the bartender sit at the bar and talk to the bartender and you'll always find out about some amazing place that you need to go check out um or you'll end up you know meeting people and making new friends and so for me the tracking down where to eat and finding amazing food is as much the culinary aspect as it is the social aspect for me what about you barbara um well i sort of feel like they're almost two different um sort of persons i i am when i travel and, and it reminds me of the old saying you know there are two types of travel it's either first class or with children <laughs> and <laughs> so when when i'm traveling with my family yeah that's it's a completely different you know just like when, when nina was saying you know a very different experience it, it's it guides everything, you know, from, and, and in fact, I think I'm much more sort of conservative in a sense, being concerned about things like safety and security and ease of travel. Like, as I was coming over here, I was trying to think, you have a whole different checklist. Like, no, I would never take a connecting flight if I can avoid it if you've got <laughs> kids. And when they were little, I mean, all the paraphernalia you have to bring mm-hmm. with you. And, you know, and then your priorities, you want to just a nice, relaxing, emphasis on relaxing place. Now, when I'm traveling solo, you know, you're, you know, if I'm on assignment or, and then, of course, you know, it's totally different. I mean, I, I want, I'm, exploration, I would think, would be my motivating thing. And culture, too, seeing different, seeing museums, going to performances, thing, you know, things like that that you may never see, even though you have the feeling when you live in New York, everything comes here eventually. But it's not true. I've discovered so many amazing places and monuments and endangered places and that sort of thing. So I think that um, that's kind of what motivates me. But I have to say that's, you know, it's really different when you don't have to have kids and husbands and, you know, grandparents and things depending on you. Nina, you wrote one of my favorite pieces that's on our website, which is about how you took a solo trip when you, to the Galapagos, which we kind of mentioned earlier, by yourself. Um, Yes. And that that was like a, you know, sorry, not sorry kind of thing. Um, Do you want to talk about that for a second? Sure. Um, Well, it, it was... It was definitely one of those radical self-care moments. I have a friend who I run with and we talk about that all the time, like taking care of ourselves. Um, And for me, it was amazing because that was two years ago when I took that trip and my children were, I don't know, eight and 11 around those ages. And so much of what we were doing and so much of what I was doing was taking care of other people all the time. And it becomes such second nature for us, for us as women and as moms. We just do it. To be able to go somewhere that removed, there's no connectivity where we, there was no connectivity in the Galapagos. So to shut everything down and to have my only priority be taking care of myself was so amazing. It's very interesting too, though, to be in that situation because I was on a, a small expedition cruise with I don't know, there were 40 other passengers and everybody was lovely, but the typical question I would get, especially from some of the older couples is like, how are your children managing without you? And I'm I'm thinking they're perfectly fine. They're with their father. (laughs) So it was always very interesting to to answer that question. 
Um, and how did but, they how did they respond to your answer? I don't know if I waited around long after. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like I'd sort of give the answer, and that's how it was, and that's how it. It's my husband and I have a great understanding of that, and you kind of know like within your wigwam what works for you. And for me, I feel like we're sending such a positive, powerful message to our kids, to my daughter, that it's okay to take care of yourself, and it's okay for dad to be home and in charge of you. Like those things are all part of our normal. So I feel, you know, I feel good with it. And sometimes I guess I understand that other people may have that response. But going back to my mom, who was a travel agent, like she's all for it. She's like, go have, do this, go crazy. And, you know, she's in her 80s. So she's still pushing me to go out and explore. I mean, the other thing about going on a solo trip like that in a quiet place like that is that you really sort of kind of start listening more to you can hear you know, when you're not worrying about getting somebody up and making sure this one has this these right shoes on and this person has at, you know eaten and this one has a water bottle when it's just you and you're just there you're able to like listen again and to pay attention to what the universe might be telling you and while i was there i had a little mini disaster in that i you know of course i was there on assignment and i lost my i destroyed two cameras which has never happened to me before and I had like a mini breakdown until I realized it was a kind of blessing because it really forced me to be present. I was no longer behind you know, the camera. I was just there listening to the waves and seeing Nazca boobies and seeing these crazy lizards and seals and sea lions. So it was, it was quite an amazing trip. So to, to that, um, what you said about um, putting down the camera, um, how often, Michaela, do you, travel without your camera never never no i don't travel without my camera <laughs> um i think i don't know how to exist without the camera so all my uh, recent memories are with through photography and all my recent experiences are through photography and for me in this moment there's nothing more satisfying than ha making the project that's that's my life and what are some of um you know those memories through your camera. Sort of, what are the ones that you kind of cherish the most? What, what, what really the women with that you? I meet, um, some of them are extremely inspirational, and I do keep in touch with a lot of them. And the stories are just well overwhelming, and they are going to teach you to be a better person. Could you? Are there, could you share any of those experiences? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, there, there's a, a woman that I'm. I'm always impressed by her positivity and I'm surprised by the people that know how to make something positive out of something negative. I'm not sure how they do it. I think it's something magic. <laughs> and this is the case of Anya from Poland. She was born in Poland and her mother gave her up for adoption because she was born without a leg. So she couldn't take care of this condition. So she had to put her up for adoption. Uh, she got um, adopted in Belgium by a Belgian family who supported her and found all her all all she all she needed in terms of uh, prosthetic leg and uh, good education. So today she wants to run in the Paralympics in Tokyo and uh, get famous and mm -hmm. meet her mother, her natural mother, because she wants to tell her that she's not upset and she understands the situation was terrible and she just wants to connect with her. I found that extremely beautiful That's and insp extremely inspirational. And always when I meet with her, because we kind of stay, uh, she's in Belgium, I'm in Germany at the moment. And when we meet, it's uh, overwhelming. She's extremely positive. And I think that's, 
I mean, that's sort of such a wonderful story, and I think it really sort of sums up how, you know, we're talking about as we get older and have more life experience and meet more people and see more things, our approach to travel changes, but travel changes you. The more you experience things like that Absolutely. and meet people like that, yeah, you definitely. become a different person. Absolutely. I was. I remember when I went backpacking with my friends in Southeast Asia and we just went there for to have fun and get drunk and, I don't know, make crazy things. And today I, I would not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so over it. <laughs> I, I feel like that also kind of circles back to when you were saying, um, you know, the world is a lot smaller than Definitely. you feel like it is when you first set out and I find that to be so 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 true yeah it, I was just in Argentina um two weeks ago and I ran into someone who like went to my college we, like we're on the same scholarship we like had all these like similar life experiences and if I had I, I never would have met them if I hadn't been like in Argentina like 11 hours from the place where we went to college mm-hmm. um and I think that every time I step out the door even in New York you run into people you meet you know you know, what is that, like, six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's true <laughs> of, like, everyone in the world is, like, you know, you can find a connection with someone no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like, there's going to be something you have in common with them. And I feel like that sense of connection is easier the more often that you travel. I'd be um, interested to know um, from everyone here, sort of, you know, you always have these bucket lists, like, these are the places you have to visit before you turn 30 and there's always this sense of urgency that you have to tick off these places and I've been sort of thinking about it a little bit just in that as Nina was talking about earlier suddenly like weddings have come into my life and the odd baby which is terrifying (laughs) Um, and I, I am starting to think about the fact that wow you know I don't know what sort of course my life will take but I might not have the freedom to go backpacking for two weeks for, you know, much longer. And I was wondering if everyone has sort of, I hate the term bucket list, but kind of places that they're really like sort of desperate to tick off that they haven't yet and and why. I feel like my, my, my white whale, um, which I've talked about on our other podcast travelogue, is Australia and New Zealand because you only get so many vacation days a year. And I feel like if I'm going to go all the way over there, I want to be there for a really long time. And I want to like really get to know Australia and I want to spend plenty of other time in New Zealand. And, you know, we have 15 days, which is a lot for actual vacation. Um, But I feel like I need more. Like I need 30 days and I need to figure out a way. You need to just move to Europe. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. but I think yeah. That, tell that, us how you just how you figure out how to get thirty days. I'd like to know. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll keep everyone in the loop. <laughs> um, but I think that the biggest problem for me is just time, and I think that we talk about this a lot, which is that people think, oh, travel writers, travel editors, you guys are on the road all the time. It must be like a vacation, which I feel like is probably similar for you because you're working when you're traveling. Yeah, you're working on your project. Yeah. Um, and when we're on the road, like uh, more often than not, even if we're taking a real vacation. Traveler sent Nina and her family. I am so proud of you for doing this. Um, on I a, loved like, it too that you guys thought it was hard. You asked me as if like you were asking me to do something awful, and so I jumped and said yes. We asked her to take this tech revacation with her kids. So no phones, no Netflix, no TV, no nothing. It's like board games and the beach, and that is all you've got. Um, and where was I going with that? 
Oh my god, my brain just. Totally you need more uh, days. Oh you yeah. Need more time. Um, but like that, yes, you were on vacation, but you were also on assignment, really. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that probably, I mean, I'm speaking for you, but in the back of your head, kind of figuring out how is this actually working, what are we doing, um, was still on your mind even when you were on this vacation. Am I right? Yeah, but I mean, maybe like Michaela was saying, where you never travel without your camera. I really love the work that we get to do. So I don't even know that I could take a normal trip without my mind always thinking about like, how does this hotel rate in my mind? Or would I return here? Is this like satisfactory for children or things like that? Like, I feel like it's so much a part of who I am when I travel that they're almost intertwined. I think that that's kind of what scares me about going on this like month long trip to Australia is I think I would be worried that I would just like be basically, even if my bosses were like, yeah, which wouldn't happen. But if they were like, yes, totally take 30 days off and just go to Australia and have a great time. Like I would be working even if they didn't tell me to do it. I would definitely be working. Taking real vacation is hard. Hint, hint, boss. Hint, hint, boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, Laura and Brad, if you're listening to this, I would like 30 days to go to Australia. <laughs> well, that sounds like the name of a, a book or something. You know? so, yeah. So, yeah, go. Yeah. But, well, actually, I, I think speaking of books, I think in some ways it, there's, it's not a coincidence. A lot of the big selling books are exactly about that. You know, I mean, it's about eat, pray, love, and, you know, and, you, know you can name the, and Cheryl Strayed's, uh, you know, uh, book about walking the Pacific. Crest Trail, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, that is something that I think we all share. Most people do. I mean, it's, it's you know, just to cut loose. And that's, of course, yeah, that's high up on the things I wish I had done. I mean, I, I did live abroad, but I was a student, so ostensibly I was working. And, and I'd love to somehow find a way to do that again. Just, you know, just be an expat for a year and, and have a base someplace where you could reach a lot of places very easily. Where would and, you want to go? Well, probably, yeah, probably be Europe because, you know, it's so, you know, yeah, you can get, you know, from, you know, say middle of Europe, you can get on a train or get on a Ryanair plane. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so uh, I don't know how I'm going to pull this off. So stay tuned. (laughs) How about you, Michaela? I'm always on the road. Yeah. So I don't have any time frame. I'm Mm -hmm. just going there and staying how how much I want to. Yeah, I don't have 15 days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have the whole time. <laughs> There's one trip that I'm really dreaming about making, and it's very difficult to reach that place. There's a s- festival in September in Niger of Tuareg people. And it's a very dangerous area because you have um, a lot of terrorist groups over there. So unfortunately, the you cannot get to know that culture because of the political situation. But that place is one of the places that I'm really dreaming since a long, long time to go to. And how about you, Nina? Well, I'm very lucky to say that in just shy of a month, I'm going to my ultimate dream destination, and that is Antarctica. (gasps) So I am quite excited that I'm able to do it. I don't know. Africa was the one before that, and I did that, and I would go back there in a hot second. but Antarctica was the one for me. I've always been really into the environment and into climate change, and I'm gonna be going on a climate change departure with Abercrombie and Kent, and totally cannot wait to go and experience it. It is a long trip though, it kind of stresses me out as a parent as we talk about you know, this stuff, like because I will be gone for a good chunk of time. How, but, long, how long is the trip? Um, it is about two weeks with a, 
a little bit more, maybe 15 days with the air travel and everything together. So it's a good chunk of time, but I am working on like, I'm already starting to work on like freezing a couple meals and doing all those things that will make me feel not so guilty about like not making home cooked meals and things like that. Your kids are grown. Your daughter is in, in college. Yes, yeah, she's okay. in college. So how do you yeah. feel like your travel experience with her has changed since she was younger and now that she's like a, an adult? How has that relationship of you guys traveling together changed? Yeah, well, I'm glad you asked because that has been the greatest revelation. So, Nina, just so you know, it really does get a lot easier. In fact, your kids I actually don't, can't yeah, wait. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is it is so wonderful because now my my child is guiding me, and and I have two oh, I have two fun. daughters actually, and they always have these great they they teach me things now. Um, my daughter, who's still in college, has gotten into rock climbing. And when, when I say rock climbing, and we're talking about, you know, Utah-type, you know, uh, peaks and boulders and things. So, I mean, she's, which I've always been very intimidated by. I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of heights. And so um, so that's that's been wonderful. She's And so she's driving a lot of what we do together, you know. And, um, you know, so, and we've, we've taken a lot of trips to Europe together. And now it's just, instead of us having to worry about planning everything, out or think they, they'll do that they'll they'll take over and they'll they'll sort of you know so and also seeing the world through their eyes you know being a different generation is 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 really you know that that lends a whole different aspect to it and so yeah and then we meet that you know they meet people they're you know obviously they're going to meet people in a different way than we would you know so um yeah, it, it's it's great you should be proud of yourself <laughs> because you educated them like that yeah. Thank you. Barbara, I have this vision that my daughter, one day I'll be sitting like, it, it has to be in Italy. I picture sitting at a table at a cafe with her drinking wine. And <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just thinking to myself, that's going to be so great. Is it going to be great? Oh, yes, it is. It's really funny when they, well, for a while when we were traveling in Europe, there was always the question, we'd go to a restaurant now, are they going to ask, you know, because of course they don't have the same age limits that we sure. have here. So that was sort of an, that was actually a thrill for them, I have to say. I mean, am I allowed to say that? You know, that when they were, you know, they were teens, but, you know, they would have not been able to order a drink in a restaurant here anywhere, but but we could go to a restaurant in Italy or, or France and, and it was, you know, and that was that was a big part of the excitement for them. That sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah. I drink a lot of wine with my mum. Definitely. So. <laughs> oh, <Same> yeah. <laughs> um, if you guys, this is kind of one of the last questions we've got, but if, if you guys could give your 21-year-old self one piece of travel advice, um, what what would you tell that young person? Just to, I don't know, relax. <laughs> Just, like, chill out. Don't get stressed and, you know, put yourself out there, take some risks. And if something, you know, goes belly up, then they just sort of, you know, roll with the punches. Usually it's fine when you, the times you lose your bags, all that stuff never matters in the end. Well, yeah, that that's sort of, you know, I, I have to, I'm afraid I have to echo what you're saying <laughs> because it's, no, it, it's really true. I mean, it, and I finally figured out a way to sort of reduce it to something really simple, which is just make sure you have those three things you really can't afford to lose or really that would be a drag to lose, you know, your pet. And just as long as you do, do a quick check every time you move from one place to the other. And as long as you do that, everything else is easy. You can get a toothbrush. I mean, you can, I mean, so, and, but always, always take care of yourself though, too. I think I was a little too cavalier about that when I was young and it's it's a drag getting sick or having an accident when you're abroad but you know on the other hand you can't let that you can't let that you know stop you from having an adventure yeah I think it's sort of to just be less afraid 
Yeah. I feel like mine is um, to stay in like more hostels because I feel like your standards will rise as you get older and like to just <laughs> embrace the like super low brow, like you're going to meet a ton of people again, like you're going to go outside of your comfort zone, like stay in the safe, but like just crap places because one day you'll be able to stay in nice hotels and be like, oh man. I have like many randoms that show up on my Facebook feed that I'm like, oh yeah, I met you in a hostel right. like eight years ago. <laughs> right. And, and couch I, surfing. You, you yes. have to use couch surfing. I mean, yeah. this is, I, I made a lot of friends through couch mm-hmm. surfing. And I have too. No, it's, it's if you yeah. haven't heard, it's this um, website which you can sign on to, which offers, um, I guess, couches or beds or whatever yeah. someone has in their home and you can stay there for free. And when I first came to this office and said that I, I did it when I was in Ecuador and Chile, um, when I was working here, everyone in the office was like, oh my God, are you going to come back? And I was like, I'm going to be fine. Like these people are opening their homes to me. Yeah. They're voluntarily saying like, I can help you. I can show you around. Yeah. Um, and just like you would gut check anything, you just gut check a couch surfer. My yep. friend ended up dating his couch surfer for like three years. So. <laughs> <laughs> Love connection. Um, Nina, what, would, what advice would you give? I would probably say to take every opportunity to travel. I missed, uh, there were a few that I missed and regret still today. So I would have probably told myself to do, to just take whatever opportunities I could, because now as I'm older and more encumbered with responsibilities and you just can't, it, it just becomes increasingly more difficult to do that. And how would you, Michaela? Everything that you've said, it's all true. And I don't think I have anything else to add. Yeah, you have to be confident. You have to be relaxed. You have to trust the in your inner energy and the energy of other people. But you do have to be safe. You don't have to interfere in other people's lives from other cultures because you don't have to write the right to do that. Mm-hmm. And just be cautious and um, educate yourself about the world. Couldn't agree more. So as, uh, as we will do every week, uh, we are going to actually answer one question in these last few minutes uh, that came from our Women Who Travel Facebook group. If you have a question that you would like answered, please uh, record a voice memo on your phone and email it to us um, at womenwhotravel at cntraveler.com. And we uh, might feature your voice on our podcast next week or the next or the next. So this question this week uh, says, hello, I have a big all caps birthday coming up next year in June. And all I know is I don't want to be home. If you were me, where would you go to celebrate? I'm based in the UK and can travel for up to two weeks. You look at that lovely vacation time. Um, we've already been to most of the European capitals, and I'm planning to go to Japan in October. Thanks in advance for your ideas. Big birthday, been to Europe, June. Anyone have any ideas? So I've been thinking about this a lot for myself. <laughs> um, and I keep on swinging between like a zillion different places. And one of the things I'm thinking about is part of me just wants to pick up a backpack and travel you know country hop for a few weeks thanks brad for the time off (laughs) um but then the other part of me is like it's very easy to big something up and put a lot of pressure on it and i'm wondering whether actually i should just make it easy and i don't know go to italy or something and kind of give myself something i just sort of keep the unpredictability at a relative low because you know she this member of the group obviously um is placing a lot of importance on this trip and you don't want it to go wrong 
And I think that if you if you set the this is going to sound so depressing, but if you set the bar low, like the unpredictable great things that could happen are automatically greater because the you know pressure on those moments being great already wasn't in existence in the first place. Does that make sense? Yes, I feel like it does. Yes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Nina, Barbara, Michaela, do you guys have any suggestions if you were going on a big birthday trip? I would swing the opposite direction and be more daring than you guys right now. I'm going say... against my advice to my 21-year-old self, I've just realized. <laughs> okay, right, right. I, would, I, was, I thought about this, too, and, and was thinking about how old is this person? What kind of trip do they want? And when I thought the, the place that it doesn't matter how old you are, what kind of trip you want that never disappoints, it's South Africa. And I was thinking about Botswana. So that's where I came up with, like, if you're celebrating a big birthday, this person has been to many cultural cities and is going to Japan. That seems like it would be, and I think it's something that you could do within two weeks. I think and going to Botswana now with, like, predator, predator capital dialed into conservation, completely banned hunting. So you're making all these responsible conservationist choices. And you could stay at some amazing new, like, sanctuary chiefs camp and... Stanley's camp, if you guys have heard of that, they have an amazing um, interaction that you could do with these semi-habituated elephants right out there in the bush. So, I don't feel like I've ever met anyone who's had a bad safari. Yeah. Tweet at me has. if you've had a bad safari, but <laughs> um, I feel like I don't know anyone, yeah, who's had a bad... And I have. I, I had a one night, my very first night on safari, their accident, long story made short, we ended up with a lot of bugs, bugs I've never seen in my life inside of our tent. And I didn't know how I was going to make it through the night, but I did. And even still, it was the best experience. At the end of the trip, it was part of the experience. How would you be P? Well, if, if money really is no object, yes, then I would say, yes, I, I agree with Nina. It's something fabulous like that. We, we went on a really special trip for one of our big anniversary you know, celebrations. And we went to East Africa and so we went to Tanzania and Kenya. And that was just mind blowing. It was awesome. I mean, so I, I would just say that's fantastic. Now, if you're going with a group of friends though, and it was, I wasn't clear if that was mm -hmm. with people or not, because I mean, we've also done great trips, that, you know, the more people who are with you, if it's a group of friends, then you can get into issues of is everybody equally good at traveling and equally how do people sure. see things? I mean, it can be a disaster, you know. I mean, I mean, people you think you really know well, if you go on a trip with them, you learn things about them that that you know. So, the best trips we've done sort of in that vein is you know we rented a fabulous house on Antigua and it had a private beach and it was just marvelous and beautiful and we you know we did some exploring, we did some boat trips, you know, side trips, but. That was that's something where you're pretty sure it'll all be wonderful and there's not not too many things can go wrong. So and I mean I mean that's not the way you should measure the success. <laughs> but I know it's a, but anyway those are at least that's what I've had experience with personally. And if you could spend two weeks anywhere celebrating a birthday, where would you go? Me yeah. or where should I recommend to her? Because she's based in London. She probably. I mean up yeah. to you. Well. Um, for her, I would recommend Jordan. And what would you tell her to do in Jordan? Well, mingle with the people, visit the cultural, historical places, uh, enjoy the food. There are so many things to do in Jordan, actually. It's a great place. I feel like Jordan's coming up a lot. Yeah, it's really nice. And also the people are really nice. Plan your uh, 2018 trip to Jordan, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to go.
So I think we're going to wrap up there. But if everyone wouldn't mind going around and saying where on social media people can find you and keep up with your travel or ask you questions or check out your book, Michaela, um, I'll start. I'm at Oh Hey There Mare. And I'm at Lale Hannah on Instagram. Uh, the Atlas of Beauty everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and at Peterson B on Twitter. This is Nina. I'm at Nina K. Han. Okay, great. Great. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So you can find us, uh, Women Who Travel, on SoundCloud and iTunes and everywhere that you listen to podcasts. You can find Condé Nast Traveler at CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. And you can find us at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube. And please keep uh, listening and reviewing us on iTunes and shoot us some tweets if you have any ideas that you would love to hear over the next season. Um, We'll be back next week with some exciting other women. Thank you so much for joining us. We've all been there before. You're planning a dinner party or having family over or even just cooking for yourself when all of a sudden it starts to feel overwhelming. Uh, I live in a very small one bedroom apartment with a very small kitchen. I can't figure out what to serve besides water soup at this point. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious. And this is Dinner SOS, a new podcast from Bon Appetit. Maybe it's a last minute party with no menu inspiration, a kitchen with no space, a toddler who will only eat buttered pasta. Name your dinner emergency. We're here to help. Here's how the show works. On each episode, we'll take a call from a home cook facing a real dinner emergency. Then I'll work with one of our editors or someone from our amazing test kitchen to try and solve it. Because cooking for the people you love should inspire joy without a side of stress. Make sure you're following Dinner SOS wherever you're listening now.